okay, how many had an opportunity from last week to this to show mercy? Yeah, yeah, we were studying, you know, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And so the Lord quite often puts, has us put into practice those lessons that he is teaching us. So um, I imagine many of you did, uh, whether you put your hand up or not. If you didn't put your hand up and you did, well, we'll have mercy on you. It's okay. Okay, this week, every day, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I love the, the songs that uh, Pastor um, Chris used. Okay, number one, we're just going to talk about for a minute pure in heart. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, at this point in his teaching, he was referring to the inward character of his followers, not so much the outward activities and actions, the outward show of righteousness and, and mercy, trying to look the part like the Pharisees and the religious leaders were doing. And I know you looked up scriptures in the lesson that declared the condition of man's heart. And the bottom line, it's incurably sick. We all needed a heart transplant, didn't we, before Christ. Those that don't know the Lord need a heart transplant in order to live. As believers, we were given one. We were given a new heart by God when we were born again. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we were purified. We were made clean. We're given a new heart and a new nature. And remember that these Beatitudes are basically declaring a state of a blessedness and joy that is already ours because these things basically already have been. But as believers, our part is to live it out, is to experience the things that the Lord is saying. This will make you blessed. This will fill you with joy when you are able to live in such a way that we fulfill those declarations that he made in the Beatitudes. So as Christians, we've already been given a pure heart. So what is required of us? What's our part in this Beatitude? Well, to be pure, we know it means to be clean, unmixed, unpolluted, undivided. And a heart, what does that mean? It, after reading several thoughts on this, I put in the lesson kind of a little summary. It is the will and the reason and the center of one's motives, morals, and emotions. It's basically how we think and feel, and that then result in um, our, our goals and our priorities. We decide in our heart, so to speak, what our goals and our priorities will be, and then from that comes actions. Uh, Matthew 6.21 tells us where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 12, 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So it, it depends on what's in your heart is going to determine what comes out from your life. John, in his first general letter, 1 John, he addressed the church's spiritual state, and he called them his little children. He acknowledged that they had been forgiven of their sins, but he told them not to love the world or the things in the world. He wrote, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's 1 John 2.15. Then verses 16 and 17 go on. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. They were saved, but they needed exhorting 
They needed to be reminded not to love the world or the things in the world. And that holds true for us today as well. Um, We can be saved and yet still have a foot or a heart in the world um, and the things of this world. Pastor uh, Greg Laurie calls it being a mugwump. Sitting on the fence, you have a mug facing the Lord and your rump that's still facing the world. Get off the fence. Don't be a mugwump. (laughs) Our heart can be divided. It can be mixed. It can be polluted. And David explained in Psalm 30, I'm sorry, 24, verses 3 through 5, who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his father, of his salvation. This is, he's talking about one who does not have idols. And we think, well, we don't have idols. We're not bowing down to other statues and, and different things. But things, people, pursuits can be an idol, lady in, ladies, in our lives. It, they can take the place of God's rightful place in our heart. Consider your thought life. What are you thinking about most of the time? Consider how you spend your time and your energies. What is it spent on? Things of the world, things of the flesh, or things of the Lord? David also prayed in Psalm 86, 11, Unite my heart to fear your name. It could be translated, give me singleness of heart. And I think that we need to realize the fear of the Lord, to fear his name is not, it's that awesome reverence, that respect. And part of that is not only the respect and the awe that we have towards God, and his holiness, and his awesomeness. But it's a hatred of evil. It's a hatred of sin the way he hates it. So it's two, really two sides to that coin. It's one, reverencing him, being set apart unto him, but then it's also hating that evil, being separated and coming apart from those things of the world and those things that our flesh would be drawn into that, are, that would cause us to have a divided heart. We need to ask the Lord to unite our heart to make us single-minded and single-focused. Having singleness of heart will be reflected in our thoughts, in our attitudes, in our actions, in our words, our choices, our priorities. And I want to read you words um, from an old song. Some of you that have walked with the Lord for many years may recognize it. It was called Undivided Heart. And it says, If I'm to be whom you desire all throughout my life, a vessel unto honor, Lord, to thee, and before your throne to hear you say that I have done my part. Lord, I need an undivided heart that I might know you, that I might serve you, that I might worship you as king. To see the morning star, to know how great you are, Lord, I need an undivided heart. I wish I could sing because I would sing it for you. But because I'm going to have mercy on you, I'm not singing it. But I hope you paid attention to the words. You know, Deuteronomy 6.5 says that we're to love the Lord with all our heart or with our whole heart. Jeremiah 29.13 says, seek the Lord with all your heart or your whole heart. So we don't want a divided heart, ladies. We want a heart that is pure, purified by the Lord and kept pure by our choices, by our decisions that we make. And this needs to be our prayer. 
our heart's desire and our passion. Because when it is, then we will experience that blessedness and joy of this beatitude, which is number two in this message, the blessing and joy of this beatitude is that we shall see God. We shall see God. Now we see him through eyes of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, as we journey through this life. We're just passing through, but we can see him. We see him now through his written word and what we learn about Jesus. In John 14, after Jesus had told the disciples that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no man came to the Father except through him, he went on to tell them, If you had known me, you would have known the Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Well, Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be sufficient for us. Jesus told him, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. When we see Jesus, we see the Father. We see Jesus today through eyes of faith as we learn about his character, his attributes. Uh, And how do we know those things? Through the word. The word declares those things about him. We can see him through eyes of faith as we sing his praises and worship him in his holiness, in his beauty, in his majesty. As you turn your mind, your spiritual eyes toward the Lord, and you're singing about him, you're seeing him now through eyes of faith. We can see him through eyes of faith as we hear testimonies of others that are declaring how he saved them or what he has been doing in their life, how he's been working on their behalf. We see him through eyes of faith as we just realize how he's working in us and through us and what he's doing on our behalf. That's how we see him today. But ladies, there's a day coming when we're going to see him face to face. And all I can say is, oh, glorious day. You had several verses in the lesson that talk about that time when we will see him face to face in all of his glory. But when we live with with eternity in view, as it's been coined, that phrase, living with eternity in view, it will have a purifying effect on us. I know we've been told to watch and pray as we wait for the Lord's return. We've been told to occupy until he comes, and that means be about his business and the business of the kingdom while you wait. But we're also told in 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3, something else as we wait. And it was in your lesson, but I want to read you the verses. In um, 1 John 3, verses 2 and 3. And it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope, that confident expectation of seeing the Lord face to face in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. We have a choice, ladies, and we're seeing him now through eyes of faith, but then we're going to see him face to face. And if we really live with that belief, it will influence our choices, our attitude, our actions, our conversations, the activities we choose to participate in. Um, There was another verse in the lesson I gave you, 1 Corinthians 13. And the first part of verse 12 says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. And this is referring to when the Lord um, comes and we see him. Uh, Now we're seeing him dimly, but then we're going to see him clearly. 
Nothing's going to be in the way. We're going to be able to see him just as he is when we are in heaven. We don't see fully now. And I could really relate to this as I thought about this for the message because um, I needed to get my eyes checked. I had an eye appointment yesterday. I was past due for getting my eyes checked, and things have become a little bit dim when I go to read. They're a little bit blurry, Um, and, and so I could really relate. I don't see as clearly as I, as I once did. Well, we don't see the Lord clearly yet, but we will. And I always think of this section um, of Scripture as being his bride and how we have a veil covering our face. And we're walking down the aisle to our waiting bridegroom. So, you know, brides that get married today, it, it just isn't the, the custom as much today as it was um, back in the day, I know, when I got married. And you always wore a veil. And I'm a little disappointed sometimes at weddings when the bride isn't wearing the veil. They're beautiful, and, you know, they might have a little thing hanging down on the back of their hair. But I like to see the veil over the bride as they come down the aisle because we're the bride of Christ. And as we journey through life, we're coming down the aisle each day, one step at a time, closer to our waiting bridegroom, who when we get there, he's going to lift the veil. We're not going to see dimly anymore. He's going to lift the veil, and we're going to look in his eyes of love. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for the Father to say, son, go get your bride. And so as I think about this bride coming down, you know, the aisle, I, I don't want my wedding gown soiled and dirty from the things of the world or my flesh. I don't want to be turning around, looking back outside to the world. I want to be single focused on my bridegroom who's waiting for me. I don't want to be flirting with others that are watching with my old boyfriends and the enemies of of my bridegroom. Before we're saved in the things of the world, they're, they're at odds with God. That's like, that was my life before I met Christ. Those are old boyfriends, old interests. I don't want to be flirting with them as I'm coming down the aisle while my bridegroom is waiting to lift that veil. And ladies, a glorious day, the battle with the world, the flesh and the enemy, it's going to be over. It's going to be over. No more struggles, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more temptation to to have a divided heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those with an undivided heart, for they shall see God now through eyes of faith, but then face to face. And you will hear him say, well done, a good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for calling us and seeing us as your bride. What an incredible privilege, Lord, that you have betrothed yourself to us. And Lord, we want to keep our eyes fixed upon you, our king, our bridegroom who's waiting. And you want us to wait with anticipation and expectation, Lord, of your soon return. So help us to uh, use wisdom in how we spend our days, how we spend our thoughts, how we spend our energies, Lord, our time, that we would have an undivided heart. So, Lord, just have your way. 
and help each one of us to know how to apply these things, Lord, that you're teaching us through this study. And Lord, I pray you bless the discussion groups as the women share with one another and encourage one another in their journey through this life, Lord, as we walk down the aisle towards our bridegroom. Help us to be ever mindful of your love and your presence and what awaits us. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, ladies. You're dismissed to group. Have a good day.